you will only be as good as the level of trust you develop within your team. Think about it. If the team doesn't trust each other enough to be open and honest, then you aren't going to have honest communication and it will be impossible to get cooperation or collaboration so that you can have good coordination and problem solving. Trust is the key. None of these five high-performing team behaviors are possible without trust. Welcome, Trust Builders. I'm Sue Dyer, and this is Lead with Trust, where we explore how leaders can build their business on a foundation of trust and reap the rewards of becoming the top performer in their market. Leaders that understand how to use and leverage trust are uniquely positioned to disrupt their industry and dominate their market. Distrust of businesses and business leaders is at an all-time high. Trusted businesses must have trusted leaders, and your team, your customers, and your vendors are waiting for you to step up and elevate the level of trust in your business. My hope is that this podcast can help you start your trusted leader journey. Hey, Construction Nation. This is Sue Dyer, and you are listening to episode number 37 of Lead with Trust. So I apologize for my hoarse voice. It's a bit low. I have had a cold, but I wanted to make sure I got this episode recorded because I'm so excited about it. It's about excellence. And I know that sometimes people feel baffled by what makes one project team seem unmistakably high performing and another team that has very similar caliber of members on it, maybe even better members on it, it falls short of success. This has been a challenge in construction for the entire 35 years that I've been working with project teams and for the 40 years that I've worked with construction businesses. This question is what I have studied over the past 35 years. I really wanted to know, what does it take to assure that our projects succeed? So I will tell you that the good news that I found is that it really doesn't cost one cent more to be highly successful over being unsuccessful. In fact, sometimes it actually may cost less. So let me explain. Excellence requires trust. Without trust, excellence is just not possible. And this applies to owners, contractors, builders, subcontractors, designers, subconsultants, really all the businesses that come together to build a project. You bring your culture with you to every single project that you work on. You know, I've facilitated partnering on over 4,000 construction projects. They varied in all sorts of different sizes and types of projects. I don't think there's any type of project I haven't worked on over the past 35 years. 
But here is how I've seen a high trust, excellence-based culture play out versus a fearful, mediocre, fear-based culture. Of course, the leaders set and spread the culture. But this is what happens when you have a high trust culture on your projects. First thing I see is coordination, a very big difference in the ability of the team to truly coordinate. In a high trust team, the team's on the same page. The team uses the design document to have a clear understanding of what it's going to take to build the project and to understand what's going to be installed each step of the way. Shop drawings match what is going to be installed and are corrected if things get changed. I've seen so many times when the shop drawings don't even resemble what is in the drawings and then don't resemble what actually got installed. So you really are completely flying blind and you have no record of what happened. On a high trust project, everyone knows what they're going to do. They have the tools, they have the ability to pour and perform the work. And what I mean by that is they have access, they have lay down area, they have their materials, they have enough people, et cetera. They feel comfortable and confident that they have what they need to be able to perform. And they know like a dance, you know, everyone talks about construction being like dance, a choreographed dance. They know what they're going to do and when they're going to do it. Uh, they would not arrive on site uh, only to be surprised that someone ordered the wrong tile. And this is on a big project. Or a girder is too short. Or the shop drawings don't match the plans, et cetera. These are all things I see fairly often, things like these on projects. And these are real, real life examples. The team clearly has worked together to create one team and they're coordinating their efforts as if they're one team, not this team is coordinating for the owners and this team is coordinating over here for the builder and then the subcontractors are supposed to self-coordinate. I mean, there's so much complexity to that that it makes it very difficult. Again, if it's a dance and you're trying to choreograph, can you imagine not having everybody dancing to the same drum beat or dancing in sequence so that everyone would be running into each other and it would not be a very good dance and probably be pretty dangerous. So, but all this is done before they start working. So they're not constantly disrupted by surprises that could have or should have been known. And of course, some things you can't know. But how many times are there known unknowns? And yet we don't really address that. We don't address that we could do something to make it more known or to have a plan that if we hit this, this is what we'll do. Or we have material on, on site so that if we hit it, especially if it's a known unknown, we can deal with it. I, we've done this on a lot of projects that were really fast-based particularly like an airport runway projects, where probability of running into some pretty serious hazardous materials is great. And so you already have the material on hand. 
to know what you're going to do. The next thing is quality control on teams that are high performing, high trust, highly coordinated. The team checks and double checks to make things sure that the things are right. And they do this by using mock-ups, modeling. So, so many great things we can do with modeling now, testing, measuring, checking to make sure the equipment and materials are ready and that there's enough. They don't spend time arguing for not having mock-ups. And I see this all the time where people don't want to do a mock-up because it takes time and they'd rather just put it in place. And sometimes that makes sense if you can do a small mock-up to make sure it works. But many times I see they just don't want to do the mock-ups or refuse to do them. And it really makes it hard for the team because uh, then you end up with arguing over, is the mock-up done right? Mostly arguments are about aesthetic finishes. Uh, Sometimes they're just about like, well, no, we want to put the windows in and they didn't do a water test on the windows in a mock-up before they put them in. These are all real things I've seen happen on projects. And the ones that take a more cautious mock-up, let's test it, let's make sure it's happening before it goes in, don't end up with all those arguments and stopping the whole team from building momentum. So, you know, I think doing a test strip is a good idea to make sure your, your mix is doing right. You know, the team knows what they're supposed to do. The equipment's working the way it is. The application is working and it's producing a good result, maybe even in the weather that you're likely to occur. So these are just quality things Uh, for you guys to think about for quality control. But quality control cannot be inspected in. People are trying to do that all the time. The quality decisions are made during the design phase. And even in a design build, you know, you're more or less have made the decision before you start the construction of the main portions of the building. So you want to make sure that you're putting in the quality that was determined and agreed to during design and when the budget and the finishes were decided. The quality of workmanship is determined by the team. I've seen highly skilled craftspeople not be able to do a quality job because quality control was seen as a wasted effort when, in fact, it might be what saves you in the long run. And so I think there's got to be a balancing, of course, between all of this, but quality control is an important part so that you don't end up with a lot of stopping and starting surprises and rework, all of which completely undermine the enthusiasm for the team. Number three is problem solving. One of the things I absolutely love the most about construction folks is that we all are problem solvers. You know, give us a great problem. We love diving in and looking at it and trying to figure it out. We just love to solve problems. Uh, we may not love the stress that comes along with it sometimes, though. Uh, excellence comes when everyone on the project is looking out for things that could become a problem and encourages these to be brought up as soon as they're seen. 
And this whole idea is to capture the potential issues and resolve them before they have an impact on the project. They want to stop the team. These are things that we don't want to stop the team from identifying because then they are always in a reactionary mode. And each new problem that comes up is a new reaction that then stops everything. And it's very frustrating to the teams, very stressful as well, because now you're on a fire drill. And a lot of times then that shifts people over into uh, the blame game too, which won't resolve your issues either. I wish I had a dime for every time an extra dollar cost a project for when a project leader told me that we just wait until the end of the project to solve all of our problems. I would have millions of dollars. To be high-performing means you work to identify, resolve, plan, and install before you are forced to stop or change direction. That is the objective. That is the goal. And so if you can have everyone trained to be looking out for things that could get in our way and stop us or cause a change that could stop us, or you know, it could be whether it's money or materials, conflicts, we need to be looking for these things and empower everyone and encourage everyone to bring these to you. I just don't see this happening nearly enough on projects. I see a lot of times when people are really have that ability to have that strategic mindset and they're looking out ahead, maybe stages ahead, and they find an issue that could create a big problem or a, a significant problem. And when they bring that up to the team or in a meeting, they're the ones that get in trouble by the team for being always bringing up problems. You should be celebrating that person for bringing up this issue way far in advance so that you could actually deal with it and have it not have an impact on the project. So problem solving is something to be celebrated. Number four is strategy. The highest performing teams have a strategy for building the project. Like they understand the scope. They understand how it's going to all fit together and be put together. It's like the choreographer that understands the dance. So at least someone on your job needs to be able to wrap their mind around the entire project and visualize how it's going to be built within the time frame and budget that you have. It's not just hoping that we're going to get there. I have seen so many projects that are like a rudderless ship on a voyage. They don't have a clear and agreed upon plan for how they are going to get to their destination. Most people know what that is, but sometimes they don't even know that. Like so many project teams I see when I say, well, what's your goal for completing this project? And they'll say, we want to finish our project in 503 days. How does anybody know what that is? That's not a date you can 
put on the calendar and say, we're going to hit this date. So it's, you got to have something that's very clear and understood and agreed upon by all the parties that are working together. And you need someone who is the director who's helping you understand how you're going to build the project. Preferably, it's got to be someone from the contractor's group, the builder, who understands how this project is going to be put together. But I hear so many times people telling me that, you know, they just really react to what happens each day. They do what's ever in front of them without really a plan. I hear owners and CMs often say that they believe the contractor is just trying to create change orders. Sure, sometimes that may be the case, but more often I see that it's because there isn't anyone within the team who actually knows how to put all the pieces together to optimize the success of the project. Instead, they just do the work that's in front of them, most often surprised by the things that pop up and don't work. Number five is learning environment. A high-performing team learns from the problems they hit so they can improve. If there are repetitive operations, they work to make each one better. You know, sort of like if you were in a manufacturing process and you had the opportunity to do things several times, like on projects I see all the time, they're going to do basically the same thing 10, 20 times. And yet everyone seems like if they hit the same problem and nobody learned that that's the same problem. So hopefully the high performing teams look to continuously improve. So if you have a repetitive process, you take what you've learned from the first one, the second one, the third one, and each one you make incremental improvements until you find maybe an optimal way to do the work. And yes, sometimes this is iterative. Like when you're pounding piles and you know you, you don't know how much effort or maybe even what kind of machine will actually end up being successful. And so you continue. But then each time, once you've got it down, you work to improve. And I just don't see that happening as much as it could because the mindset isn't about learning, passing it on, and improving. So the high-performing teams share their problems. They share their solutions with everyone. So the entire team understands what the problem was, what the solution was, and what we did, and how we improved. And then that engages other people to work to help make the solutions continuously over time. They don't react to each new issue or problem as if, oh, this is brand new. We've never seen this before. So they just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over for the duration of the project. I see this all the time. It's like, why do we keep making the same mistake? Uh, Something is not happening in the communication, but I think it's much deeper than that. That's why I called this one learning environment, because I think you really have to have that environment where people are open and wanting to learn to make improvements. Because high-performing teams 
really embrace learning, learning from each other, learning from the problems so they can create new ways to do the same old things. They love to learn and how to create better teams. They learn, they love to be a better leader. They love to learn how to do things that have never been done before. They love to become extraordinary and that it takes a learning environment. So overall, trust is the key. None of these five high-performing team behaviors are possible without trust. And in fact, you will only be as good as the level of trust you develop within your team. Think about it. If the team doesn't trust each other enough to be open and honest, then you aren't going to have honest communication and it will be impossible to get cooperation or collaboration so that you can have good coordination and problem solving without alignment of everyone toward your common purpose, you're drifting and hoping to succeed. Excellence does not cost more. It is created by the continuous improvement attitude and atmosphere that you have within your project team. Not one of protection and fear, but one of collaboration and commitment. High-performing teams are more fun. They do extraordinary things, and they manage the inherent risks we have in our projects. Now, this is why I feel so strongly that each person working on a project needs to know how to be a trusted leader who can build a high-trust atmosphere that fosters communication, cooperation, collaboration, co-creation, coordination, and success. Without this, you are just hoping that the stars will align for you. And that's not likely to occur from my experience. I feel equally strong that each business that is going to be working as part of your construction project team needs to bring with them their own high-trust culture. How are you going to be able to be part of a high-trust project if your business operates in an atmosphere of fear, protectionism, and plays a zero-sum game? It's just not possible. For all of you listening to this podcast episode, you can grab this little project team excellence evaluation I created for you to see how well you're doing on your project towards implementing, having these five excellence traits occur on your project. So you can grab that at sudico.com slash 37, or you can just drop down and see In the show notes, there's a link to it there. You can grab it there as well. So here is the excellence evaluation. So you're going to put a yes or a no check mark as you go through this evaluation to really check where you're at. And this should be specific for a project. So you put in the project name, 
and put in the date too, because you might want to come back and see if you're making progress. So put in a date would work too. So the first thing, number one, for yes or no is on coordination. And the question is, or the evaluation is, the team is on the same page. Shop drawings match what is being installed. Everyone knows what they are going to do. So yes or no. Number two, quality control. The team checks and double checks to make sure things are right with mock-ups, modeling, testing, measuring, and making sure supplies and equipment are ready when needed. Yes or no. Problem solving. Everyone is looking forward to see the things that can get in our way. They bring them up and tell the team and they work to resolve them. And then they plan, make a plan and they install so that there aren't surprises that stop the momentum and impact the project. That's a yes or no. Strategy. We have someone or people who have wrapped their mind around the project and can visualize clearly and they know how we are going to build this project to be successful. We are not reactionary to each step as the project rolls out. Yes or no. For number five, learning environment. The team continuously learns how to improve and gains momentum as they learn what works. We openly share the solutions we found to be problems that we faced. So everyone learns and we never make the same mistake twice. Yes or no. And then trust is the key. The team has open, honest communication and a track record of solving problems before they impact the project. We have trusted leaders at the executive project, subcontractor slash trades and field levels. We don't have to hope we are excellent. We have a clear plan that we are working together and improving upon every day. Yes or no. The team's excellence evaluation score is based on your number of yeses. Remember, this is just a snapshot to give you an overall feel of your project team and its likelihood of achieving excellence on your project. So the scoring is six is excellence. Six yeses is excellent. Five yeses is very good. Four yeses is good. Three yeses are average. Two yeses below average. One is poor. And zero means you are crashing and burning and probably are well aware of it. So there you have it, a little bit of an evaluation that you can do to see how well your project and your team are achieving excellence. Thank you so much for listening. Please share this episode with anyone you think this can be helpful to. Hey, I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Lead with Trust and that wherever you're listening to this podcast, you will subscribe. And if you enjoyed this episode, send it to someone who you think can really use this message that you got today. 
And also, please leave us a review, you know, your honest review, wherever you listen to your podcasts would be much appreciated. And of course, the more reviews we get, the better they are, the better for the podcast. I'm truly on a mission to get more and more people to understand that trust is the essential element. So I hope you'll be part of that. You know, this show really exists to help you leaders to build your business on a foundation of trust so that you can reap the rewards of becoming that top performer in your market. I see over and over where no one can possibly reach the levels of those people that understand how to build a high trust culture in their business. Now today, if you're really curious about starting your trusted leader journey, you can get started right away if you just take the free trusted leader profile and you can learn where you fall along the trusted leader continuum. And this really can unlock your confidence on where you are and what you need to do. It's very specific on what you can do gives you a snapshot of your leadership style. So if you want to take that, just go to www.sudyco.com and then forward slash profile, and you will get immediate access to the trusted leader profile. Once again, that is www.sudyco.com forward slash profile. All right, that's a wrap. I just can't wait to hang out with you again on our next episode.